Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. surprised? No, you're not surprised. You know what? I went back and I counted. So next week we are going to finish the book of Mark. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right. We are. And uh, I went back and I counted. We've, we've, been in the Mark, uh, we've been in Mark 58 weeks. We have been through the book of Mark in 58 weeks. And uh, so that's been a real joy for me to prepare and then also present. And hopefully in our time... You have learned more about Jesus. So we are coming to the conclusion of Mark, and you're looking at your Bible and you're saying, well, wait a minute, how can we come to the conclusion? We're only in chapter 15. Well, I have a line right at the end of verse 15 in chapter 15, because at Easter time, we bumped ahead to get the rest of chapter 15 and the resurrection of chapter 16. And so next week we will look at uh, Mark chapter 16 and verses 9 through 20, and we will conclude our study on the book of Mark. Today we are in Mark chapter 15, 1 through 15. If you have a bulletin, you can take a peek there. And uh, on the back side is something that I wrote, and then there's opportunity for some notes if you so choose. And this is what it says, our message is entitled, Dying, He Saved Me. And you'll understand why that title uh, is uh, important in a moment. It's hard to comprehend, but God's will was to bring Jesus to the cross and kill him as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And there's a couple of verses that talk about that. It is hard to comprehend. A lot of people say, well, it was Jews that killed, it was uh, the, the chief priest, it was the Sanhedrin, it was uh, Pilate, it was... Uh, no, God was willing to bring Jesus to the cross, and God killed him as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. <clears throat> this morning, our text introduces us to Pontius Pilate. His question in verse 13 is the ultimate question that every human who ever lived and will ever live, every human must answer, and that answer, eternity, hangs in the balance. So let's take a look at our text, Mark chapter 15 and verse 1. Very early in the morning, and so this is like 3 o'clock in the morning or so, the chief priests with the elders, and this is Friday morning, by the way, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. This is the question that we need to take a peek at for ourselves. Are you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom of the feast, or at the feast, to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. 
the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. And then here's the question. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? That's a question every human being must answer. What shall I do? What shall I, John, do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So that is the reading of God's word. A few thoughts, and then we're going to get into some note-taking. And the first thought is this. The Sanhedrin not permitted to put anyone to death. John 18.31 says that was not their responsibility. They couldn't do that. They couldn't put anyone to death. The Jews could not put anyone to death. They needed Pilate to pronounce the sentence. So the Sanhedrin are the group of religious leaders that we talked about there, 70 in all, plus the high priest. They were like the Supreme Court of Israel. So there were 71, 70 Sanhedrin plus the high priest, 71. And they decided that they wanted Jesus, well, way back in Mark chapter 3, they decided they want Jesus dead. And about three years later, that comes uh, to fruition. But they need Pilate to pronounce the sentence. Pilate is the Roman governor of Judea. And so the Sanhedrin produced three false charges. And again, this story is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark doesn't tell us everything, but Luke says that the Sanhedrin produced three false charges. And those three false charges are found there in Luke 23, 1-2. One of them was that Jesus was subverting their authority. Basically, he was undermining the authority of the religious leaders. That was one of their reasons to have him crucified. The next, and we know that this is not true, uh, they said that he opposes taxes. He opposes paying taxes. And we know that's not true. Jesus paid taxes. And he even said, and you know the phrase, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. He paid taxes. But that was their claim their false charge. And then the third one was that he claims to be king. He claims to be king. And Jesus explained, yeah, I do, not of this world, and all of that will come later. But Jesus did claim to be king. In the next point, Pilate ignored the first two and went to the third. So he ignored the one about undermining their authority. He didn't much care about that. He didn't really much care about him opposing taxes. What he really was interested in, and he was fascinated by the fact that Jesus claimed to be a king, that's the one that Jesus is talking to him about. And really his question is probably way more sarcastic than it looks. Verse 2, are you king of the Jews? I mean, he's looking at Jesus right now, and Jesus is not in a pretty place. He's tired, he's been beaten, he's got all kinds of problems, uh, and 
Pilate is asking him, Are you serious? You're the, you're the king of the Jews? Seriously? And probably is thinking to himself, That's a joke. This guy's not the king of the Jews. But Pilate really doesn't find anything worthy of death in him. And so Pilate, the next point, reluctantly acquiesces to the will of the people and concedes that Jesus is a threat to Rome and has Jesus crucified. Now, in the process, we are looking at a gentleman named Barabbas. And he's known, in fact, in Luke 23:19, it talks about him a little bit more in depth. But we find out from our text here that he is an insurrectionist. He's actually against the Roman government. And he has actually committed murder. On Friday afternoon, there was three crosses that were planning to be manned. Uh, the one for Jesus was really supposed to be for Barabbas. But Barabbas was released, and the other two on each side were probably cohorts of Barabbas. And Barabbas, because he was the insurrectionist and the murderer, and probably worse than the other two, was supposed to be on that middle cross. And a long, long time ago, when I was in college, I had a friend who wrote a song about Barabbas. And he said that really, we are a lot like Barabbas. We should be on that middle cross, dying for our sins. But Jesus, like he took the place of Barabbas, also took the place of ours on that cross. And then the last point of this little section here, Jesus was put to death on Good Friday and hung on a cross from 9 a.m. So this is about 3 a.m., all these trials, all this stuff, all Jesus carrying the cross till Golgotha. All of that happens early in the morning Friday. And at 9 o'clock, the Bible says that Jesus was uh, put on the cross and then that Jesus died at 3 o'clock on Friday. So he suffered for six hours on a cross. And in Mark chapter 15, verse 37, we talked about it when we talked about uh, Easter. He, uh, it says, uh, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. So a song lodged into my brain this past week, and I could not find, I knew we know it, and I knew we sang it, but I could not find the, the name of it. I even looked it up on the internet, and it had a different name than what's in our hymn book. That song lodged itself into my mind, and I think the chorus of that song really summarizes, and you're going to say, well, man, why didn't you find that song a long time ago? It really summarizes all 58 messages on the book of Mark. And you're saying, man, that's, we could have saved a lot of time had you brought up that song 58 messages ago. But then you wouldn't have known all the details of Mark that we've been looking at. But the song is entitled One Day. One Day. And uh, the next points are going to be from the chorus of that song. And so point number one where you're taking notes, living he loved me. Living he loved me. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus his only begotten Son. 
All of Mark is written to show the love of Jesus. All of Mark is written to show the love of Jesus from Mark chapter 1. And I remember when we were in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The beginning, Mark's not even giving us all, he's just saying the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All of his teaching, all of Jesus' choosing of the twelve, all of Jesus' miracles, all of his parables, all of his prayers, all that is written and done center on the love of Jesus. In fact, the Bible is a book about love. It's God's love letter to us. And so it's very, very important. Living, Jesus loved me. The second point, dying, he saved me. Dying, he saved me. We spent 20 weeks... 20 weeks during our messages on Sunday morning speaking about the Passion Week. 20 weeks, chapters 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That whole week before Jesus died on the cross, Palm Sunday, cleansing the temple, all Jesus' temple messages, the Last Supper, and the establishment of the new kingdom, the garden, of Gethsemane, his trials, his beatings, his crucifixion, and his agonizing six-hour death, all because, all because he wanted to save a sinful people unto himself. Hebrews 9, and the men's group is in Hebrews. We were in chapter 10 last uh, yesterday. But a couple weeks ago, we were in chapter 9. Hebrews 9.22 says this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness. Dying on a cross, Jesus shedding his blood on a cross, offered us forgiveness. His blood was shed... To, forgiven, uh, to forgive us. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. The chorus goes, when Jesus breathed his last breath, he was taken down from the cross by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and put into a borrowed tomb for three days. We know that. In that tomb is where with him he buried and carried every last one of my sins and yours far, far, far away. Hebrews 10.17 says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And then Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, if you want to take a peek there. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In him we have redemption from his blood, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Buried he carried my sins far away. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, he remembers your sins no more. Rising, he justified freely forever, the chorus goes. And then early Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead, satisfying a holy God's requirement.
requirement for sin. That's a big legal word, and we've talked about it before, called propitiation, the satisfaction of a holy God's requirements for sin. And Jesus, when he rose, conquered death. He made us right with God, justified. And sky is right. I remember learning that term as well. Justification means just as if I've never sinned. Romans chapter 8. If you want to take a peek there, Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. I don't hear any Bibles. What's going on here? There, okay, there, there. there. (laughs) Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. It says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. So it's a process. You were predestined. He called you. And then after you were predestined, He justified you. And after He justified you, He glorified. When you go to heaven, you will be glorified. And so that justification, rising He justified. Jesus looks at us just as if we've never sinned. Rising He justified freely forever. And then point number five, one day He's coming, oh glorious day. And one day either when we breathe our last breath or if we are still among the living, when the rapture comes, we will wake up in the presence of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians four, sixteen through eighteen talks about that, a verse that you're probably familiar with. First Thessalonians four, sixteen through eighteen. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And I love this verse. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. At the bottom of your bulletin, it says Jesus went to the cross on purpose. He had to die in order to be our perfect sacrifice for sin. Without Jesus, we are still dead in our sin. We are still separated from God. And we are still in danger of eternal separation and death. But all of that song, Living He Loved Me, Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sins far away. Rising, He justified freely forever. One day, He's coming. Oh, glorious day. All of that song is dependent on your answer to that question that Pilate asked. What shall I do with the one you call King of the Jews? That's a question for all of us. What shall we do? You can put your name in there. What shall I? What, what shall John do with the one you call the king of the Jews? And your answer to that question is vital for eternity. 
Let's bow our heads for prayer. I don't know what the answer to that question is for you. I know the answer to that question for me and why I can be allowed into heaven is, well, it's just all about Jesus. The only reason I can get there is by accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior, by inviting Him into my heart, by living a fruitful life in response to that grace that He's given me. That's, that's how I can get there. That's the answer to the question, what will you do with the one you call the King of the Jews? I don't know what your answer would be, but that would be mine. I pray that that would be yours as well. It's not about our good deeds. It's not about how often we go to church. It's not about how often we read the Bible. All those things, of course, are important, but that's not how we get to heaven. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sins far away. Rising, He justified freely forever. One day He's coming. Oh, glorious day. Lord, we look forward to that day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.